we've been in a series called People of the Way. Uh, today is kind of the wrap-up, the culmination of this entire series. If you haven't been here for any of the four, it is all good. Um, you can actually go back and watch any of those on our, on our app or on our, on our uh, website or anything like that. But uh, we've been looking at what does it mean to be People of the Way. People of the Way, by the, by the way, People of the Way, is a terminology that was used by people who did not follow Jesus, but, but saw the people who were following Jesus and called them followers of the way or people of the way. It was before uh, people got the, the branding Christian. It was before the branding of a follower of Jesus. These, these are, they called them people of the way. And so we've been looking at what does it mean to be following Jesus? What does it mean that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? What is the way that he's pointing us to? What is the way that we've been called to live? Today, we're going to look at uh, a message that I'm calling today's message, People of the Second Chance. People of the Second Chance. We're going to look at a guy that actually started, we started with in this whole series, a guy by the name of Peter. He's a professional fisherman. He was the first follower of Jesus. There are more words in the, in the, uh, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, spoken by Peter than any other disciple in the Bible. You know why that is? Peter loved to talk. How many of y'all know someone who loves to talk? Um, how many of y'all have someone that even when you don't ask them their opinion, they're giving it to you anyways? Don't look at them right now or maybe look at them. I don't know. Right now, this is maybe your moment to just say, yep, that's you. Peter was a, this was Peter's life motto. Talk first, think second. And y'all got kids like that? <laughs> uh, we, we, we train our kids to go, hey, you need to, you need to think about that. How many of y'all love how kids just kind of say it as it is? I tell people all the time, if you want to know the truth, just ask Joel. Joel is our truth teller. He will tell you. You'll ask him, go, how do I look? And he's like, not good. You don't look good. Okay. He told Lindsay the other, uh, a couple months ago, he, he told Lindsay, he said, hey, can I tell you the truth? And she was like, yeah, we, we love sharing the truth here. He says, you're old. Um, <laughs> After I picked him up off of the ground, after his mama slapped him, I uh, proceeded, no, I wasn't there for that moment. I would have laughed too. <laughs> uh, I know, we're getting old. She's still beautiful though. So uh, how do you just know some people that are like that? Peter's like that. Peter's like that guy. Peter's the, he, he's, he feels like he's a truth tailor. He feels like he's just, if he's, got, if he's thinking it, he's saying it. Peter's that kind of guy. And all throughout scripture, there's these moments where Peter kind of put his foot in his mouth constantly. There was a one moment where Jesus invited Peter, James, and John, just three of the 12 disciples to go up to a mountain with him. It was, it was a moment where he was transfigured. He was kind of seen in a heavenly realm. And uh, Moses and Elijah show up on the mountain with him. Peter and James and John fell asleep. They wake up to Jesus, transfigured, Pete, uh, Moses and Elijah there in front of them. And, and in a moment where you would think, this is your moment just to kind of take it in. You know what I mean? This is your moment to like, okay, maybe snap a picture, post it on Instagram, but don't say anything. And he steps up and says this. Look what he says in Matthew. It says it in this in Matthew 17. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I'm going to make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. I mean, just a moment when you probably should have been quiet. He's over there chiming in, thinking that he needs to make tents. I can only imagine Moses and Elijah are like, is he with you? <laughs> it's like, who's this dude? 
And, and so you get these moments where Peter just says random things. There's another moment where Jesus is kind of having a serious talk with the guys, and he's telling them, like, hey, I'm going to go and, and, uh, and be crucified. In three days, I'm going to rise again. It's all going to be good. And look what, look what Peter says again. Yet again, Peter's moment, as you can imagine. He's got to always say something. Peter took Jesus aside and began to? Come on, how many know? If there's any person you probably shouldn't rebuke, Jesus is maybe one of them. And yet Peter's got on his repertoire, he's, he gets to rebuke Jesus, and, uh, but how I many you know Jesus turns around and sees his disciples, and he, he rebukes Peter, and he says to him, get behind me, Satan. Come on, how I many you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a little bit offensive there. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all have been called Satan lately by Jesus, but uh, Peter could say he was. Peter always liked to speak up, and the moment that we all probably know about Peter's biggest failure, it's recorded in all four different Gospels, is a moment that happens at the Last Supper, and uh, they're, they're taking communion together, just like we did just a minute ago, and Jesus is having this powerful moment with them. Jesus got up and washed the disciples' feet. We, t- we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and then Jesus makes this declaration that, hey, one of y'all is going to betray me. And it's about to happen soon. And Peter wants to declare his love for Jesus and make everybody know how much he really loves Jesus. And we see this in Mark chapter 14 where Peter says to Jesus in this moment, even if everyone else deserts you, what does he say? I never never will. I never will. Hey, listen, I don't know about all these guys. Jesus I got you right here. I'm your home man right here. And Jesus replied, hey, listen, uh, I tell you the truth. You know, since you brought it up, Peter, let's talk about this. And so Peter says this, uh, Jesus says to Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny, how many? Three times, three times, that you even know me. No, ain't happening. Peter, you got the wrong, uh, Jesus, you got the wrong guy. I'll tell you right now, that that is not happening. Not only will I not deny you, verse 29 says, even if I have to die, I'll die with you, and I will never deny you. And then all the other guys vowed to do the same. I mean, it sounds like a really great moment. It's proud. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I'm never going to deny you. Have, have any people in here, or if you're watching online, have any of you ever said you would never do something and you did it? Okay, listen, y'all stop polishing off your halos right now, and let's be honest in this church right here. Any of y'all said, that's never going to happen, and then now you're living in something you said you would never happen? Yes. I used to live in Texas, okay, and uh, I remember telling my, my parents, I, I had you know, uh, family that lived in Louisiana, we coming back and forth and visiting Louisiana. And I remember telling my family, I will never move to Louisiana. <laughs> well, 22 years later, God had the final laugh on that one. And then I moved to Louisiana and I was a part of an internship here for about a year. And, and I remember telling my family, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to eventually come back to Texas um, because I'm never going to marry a Cajun. Now, if y'all don't know my wife, my wife's from St. Martinville. You don't get any more Cajun than that. Okay, she's from DeVille, all right? So she may look pretty on the outside, but she will cut you. And so <laughs> she, she is, uh, she, and, and, and she can rap too. That's from the DeVille too. So I got the whole package there. So I got a, I got a Cajun woman, and of course now we got Cajun kids, and so I'm, I'm all up in the Cajun thing. And then so then I got married, and then I was like, listen, you know, 
as a young guy, I got married at 21, so I'm young, you know, and, uh, and I told Lindsay, you, you know, I, I see all these guys around here, they got kids, and I see what they drive. I will never buy a minivan. I'm just letting you know this. I'm never buying a minivan. I'll go SUV, you know, cool dad SUV, not buying a minivan. Not a year later, I had bought a Honda Odyssey. I was strolling up in that thing, my swagger wagon, okay? Like, so just never say never. Hey, by the way, never say never to God because it's almost like a challenge to him. It's almost like a challenge to him. And here we are in this moment, and, and unfortunately, it's Peter's worst moment probably of his life where he makes this proud, boastful declaration of, I'll never deny you, and I'll even die for you. And uh, if you fast forward the story, you know a little bit of what happens. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is tried. Jesus goes to the high priest's house, Caiaphas, as he's in there getting tried, the Bible says that, Jesus, uh, that Peter is following from a distance. They come into a courtyard, and I want you to see what it says. Look what it says here in um, the next verse. It says it in John 18. And now servants and officers had made a, a what? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm having you say this because you'll see in a little bit. Made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and they were warming themselves, and Peter also was with him. Notice every other disciple is gone. It's only Peter. Peter's following from a distance. And he's with there and he's standing. He's warming himself. And for time's sake, I'll fast forward the story. He's sitting there warming himself around the fire and a little girl comes up to him, a slave girl, and says, I recognize you. Where have I seen you before? And she goes, I, I, I think I've seen you with that guy, Jesus, that's in there. And right then, in that moment, Peter says, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And at that moment, what should have happened is before that even happened, I think when he strolled up into the courtyard, I think the first question he should have asked all the people that were in the courtyard was, hey, do y'all, is there any roosters around here? Because <laughs> immediately after the first denial, the Bible says that the rooster crows. The first time. So just think about that for a moment. First denial, and there's a rooster. At some point, you would think you hear the rooster and go, row, row. And then that same girl pushes a little harder. She's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have seen you. You're one of them Galilean guys. Yeah, I've, I've seen you. I've, I saw you. And, and then again, the Bible says that he says, no, no, no. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know that man. An hour goes by and there's a bunch of bystanders that are all around. And they start asking him, dude, you, you are definitely one of those guys that's with that guy Jesus in there. And the Bible says this, that he pretty much says, I swear to God, I don't know Jesus. I swear to God, I don't know him. And, and, and the Bible says that at that moment, number two. And, and scripture says that at that moment, Jesus is led out of Caiaphas' house and has a face-to-face -face moment with Peter. Now just think about that moment for, for a brief moment. Jesus walks out and looks at him. Now here's the question. What do you think is the expression on Jesus' face when he sees Peter? Is it one of those like we make it our kids when they do something we told them not to? You're like, we don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus really loved Peter, 
Jesus knew what Peter was going to do. I think there was an incredible moment of, of, of compassion. I think he had a, a face of compassion because the Bible says that immediately after that interactive moment that Peter weeps bit, bitterly and runs off. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel, not only feel for Peter, I feel what Peter feels because I've had moments where I've disappointed Jesus. I've had moments where there have been actions that I've done that I'd say, I'd never do that again. I'll never do that. Listen, I grew up in church, and uh, in, in the church that I grew up in, you know, that you'd always have like these altar moments where everybody, come to the altar, come to the altar. And I don't know if you've ever been around church in that regards where they, you know, tell people to come to the altar. And I remember I would always come to the altar, and I was like repenting of the same thing. I did it again. I did it again. I'm not, I'm not more, no more. I'm not going to do this. And I would just keep coming. Maybe y'all know some of those repeat offenders. Just keep going and keep going and keep going. And that was, that was me. And so I, I understand what it's like for Peter in this moment that just feels like you've, you've done things that you said you would never do and yet you've done it again. I won't click there. I won't go there. I won't smoke that again. I won't drink that again. I won't do that again. I won't go there again. I won't. And you find yourself back in the same place that you said you would never get in again. And so you just got to imagine what Peter's feeling, the shame he's feeling, the despair he's feeling, the depression that he's feeling, the discouragement that he's feeling, all of these emotions that he's got to be feeling. He's weeping bitterly over the fact that he abandoned and rejected and really denied the man that has given his life to him for the last three years and that ultimately will give his, his ultimate life for him. But the good news that I'm here today to share is that we celebrate the fact that Jesus not only went to the cross for our sin and shame, but he also went to the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave, he came up again. And how many know, because Jesus came up again, we can come up again. Anybody grateful that you get a second chance because of Jesus? Three of you are. Okay, all right. Well, y'all just keep polishing those halos, I'm coming after you, okay? Because the truth is, is that all of us have had failures and mistakes and pains, and all of us are sinners, by the way. If you didn't know that, welcome to our Savior's Church, you're a sinner. <laughs> and the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, and so today as we celebrate that God has risen again, because of his resurrection, we get a second chance. And so I want to share three thoughts with you. We're going to be very quick today in our message, but I, I want to be very poignant today with what I believe that God has for me to share with you, and, and that is that because of the resurrection, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this first thought down, which we are a note-taking church, by the way. If you walked in here and figured out they gave you some paper, we'd love for you to interact with us today. It says, because of the resurrection, first thought is this, is that a second chance is possible. A second chance is possible. The church has always been made up of people that have made failures. The church has always been made up. God's people have always been people that have been failures. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed adultery and murdered someone. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. You look all throughout the scriptures, Matthew, who was one of his guys, was a tax collector, who was a money fraud. I mean, you've got people that had money issues. You had people that had sexual issues. You had people that had identity issues. You have people that had moral failures, immorality, all of these things, and the church has been made up of those from the very beginning, as is to just make sure that all of us know none of us are perfect, none of us are, 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 are to the standard that God's called us to. We all need the grace of God, we all need the cross of Jesus, and we're all thankful for the forgiveness that he gives for us for all of our failures, no matter how small they are, no matter how big they are. How I many know sin is sin? There's no such thing as a small sin and an extra grande sin. All sin is sin. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all are like, well, I don't sin like he does. Okay, well, the last time I checked, sin, sin. 
So whether, whether you're sleeping around or whether you told a lie, uh, both is wrong in God's eyes and all are demanding of punishment in God's eyes. But because of the cross that we have, because of what Jesus did on the cross and he resurrected, I mean, no, if you are a failure or if you feel like a failure or you feel like your past that you don't want anybody to know about or you feel like you're not close to God, how I many know you are a candidate for a second chance? And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that God doesn't leave me in my dysfunction, but he picks me back up again. The reason Jesus was scourged and whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross between two thieves was because he knew you and I would fail. He knew you and I couldn't do what what only he could do on his own. And if there is no resurrection, there's no hope and there's no gospel and there's no good news and there's not a second chance. But because Jesus rose again, God is way more concerned about your comeback than he is your setback. And the enemy wants you to focus on your setback, but Jesus wants you to focus on your comeback. Because how many know with Jesus, you can always have a comeback? And we all love comeback stories. And this story about Peter is a story of not only of his setback, but it is a story of his comeback. And it only is because of this Easter moment of Resurrection Sunday. So it is possible for what you have done in life to not define you, but what Jesus has done to define you. Second thing is, a second chance is, is also personal. It's not just possible, it's personal. Watch, watch what happens. When Jesus rises again, and, and, and the women that follow Jesus run to the tomb, one of them being Jesus' mother, Mary, another one is Mary Magdalene, and they run to the tomb, they meet an angel. And the angel declares this, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Watch this. Everybody help me with this. He is, he is, can we act like we actually are really grateful for this? He is, he is, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now look at this. But go and tell the disciples and Peter. He's the only disciple that's singled out. Of the 12. Notice he doesn't say go tell Judas. Notice he doesn't say any of the other disciples. They abandoned him just as much. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, you, need to, you need to go tell the disciples and, and you need to go tell Peter. Jesus was making his comeback personal. His sin was personal, but Jesus' grace is also personal. See, because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, God so loved the world, but you need to hear God loves you. I think we know God loves the world. I just think we really wrestle with, does God love me? And you need to know that he went to the cross, not just for a world, he went to the cross for you. And, and he's, he's here saying, hey, listen, make sure, make sure the disciples know, but you better make sure Peter knows. Because Peter is gonna sit in his failure He's gonna sit in his dysfunction. He's gonna sit in shame. But I came to break shame off of him because I wore it on the cross. So Peter doesn't have to wear that shame anymore. I wore it already for him. Peter doesn't have to sit in that failure because I already paid it for him. Tell Peter he, he can get back up. Go and tell the disciples and Josh, put your name in there and whoever your name is and, and, and Billy and Stephen and Laura and Lindsay, and Boaz. I don't know if there's a Boaz in here, but I'm saying, you know I had a grandfather named Boaz Belt? Boaz Belt, can you, 
I told Lindsay I wanted to name my first child Boaz. She was like, hell to the no. Okay, so. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true at all. I would never name my child Boaz. But it is true. I did have a grandfather named Boaz. Okay. God so loves you. This is personal. It's personal. Okay. So if you read this story in the book of, of John, uh, chapter 20, you get the resurrection, you get, you get the crucifixion, you get the resurrection. And you think, okay, that's it. It is, it's over. It's done. But what I love about the book of John is it doesn't end with John chapter 20. There is another chapter. Now, I don't know if there's anybody that's in here that is a, is a Marvel movie fan. Or any, any Marvel movie people? Like, you love, like, the Thors and the Captain Americas and all this stuff? Okay. Like, I have three sons. So, like, we watch every Marvel movie that you can imagine. Any, anything that comes out that's Marvel, we're, we're, we're watching it. And I don't know if you know this or not, but at every, the end of every Marvel movie is what they call a stinger. A stinger is after the movie's over and all of the closing credits that take 18 minutes to get through because there's 33,000 people that had to make this movie. There is a stinger at the end, which is a, a clip that comes on, and it's usually short. It's usually like less than 30 seconds. And there's a clip that comes on. And so every time we go to the theater with all of our boys, my, my oldest son, who is a major movie uh, buff, especially when it comes to Marvel, will say, listen, when the movie's over, everybody sit down. I'm like, I'm ready to get out of this place because it's like church, like all of y'all. That's why y'all sit in the back. You're ready to get out of here as soon as it's over. <laughs> Closing credits, peace. And Josiah's like, sit, sit down. I'm like, okay, all right. So we all sit down. And, we there, and we're sitting there with the janitors. <laughs> y'all ever been there? I don't know if y'all have done it. Janitors are sitting there just like, are y'all going to get up? Nope. We ain't getting up. And I'm always like, every movie, I'm always like, is it going to be for this one? Is it going to be? And every time, here it comes. 18 minutes later, here comes this little clip that comes on. And usually it's kind of like a, a teaser for a, a future movie or the sequel or whatever it may be. Okay. So Jesus inserts his own stinger into the Gospels. John chapter 20 is the close. Credits are rolling. Jesus, he is not dead. He is here. He's surely alive. Closing credits. But it's not over, because John chapter 21 literally opens up with a brand new scene. Look with me. John 21, verse 1. And after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Verse 2 says, Simon Peter, here's our main character. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of, the, of Cana, in, uh, Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. How would you like to be the two other guys that didn't get your name in there? <laughs> You're like, ah, I'm just tired. Two other guys were there. I don't know. Um, verse 3, Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. I, you know what? I, I, I did this Jesus thing for three years. Kind of not really working out. I didn't end well. I'm just done. Any of y'all over the last two years kind of just want to put a gone fishing sign up and just check out? That's kind of, that's kind of where Peter is. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of done. I, I, I try to do the right thing, and it just backfires on me. I'm, I'm, 
I'm done with all this. And, and you got to remember, he's a professional fisherman. This is what he knows. This was the life that Jesus called him out of. He understands what it is to be a fisherman. So he's like, I'm going to go back to just doing what I know. Jesus stuff didn't really seem to plan out, so I'm going to go back to what I know. And, and all that are with him say, you know, we're going to go with you. So he's got, got a bunch of guys that are with him now, and they all go back to some fishing. And they went out, and they got back into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. Nothing, which it reminds us very much like actually the very beginning of the story of Jesus with Peter, because the first time Jesus interacts with Peter is when he's out fishing and catching nothing. And it's kind of a a bit of a reminder to all of us that uh, sometimes it can seem so much easier just to go back to the old way of living because it seems like, well, I know that really well. This is too hard. But uh, you just need to know that in, in all of this, when it says that they, that they catch nothing, that how many know that's our life without Jesus anyways? Which, by the way, I just want to say this. I, 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 and it doesn't say this in the, in, the, in the story. But you know, the first time that they did this, the Bible says that Jesus told them to cast it on the right side, which he's about to do it in just a minute. Do you not think that they've probably been trying the right side? And so here we are in this moment, watch this, where Peter thinks he's going to run from God is the place where he meets God yet again. Now think about this. This is such a significant moment because Jesus was introduced to Peter three years ago in this exact same spot doing the exact same thing. And so Jesus shows up on the beach, says, just as day was breaking, and yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And verse 5 says, And so Jesus said to them, hey, children, got any fish? I love that he calls them kids. Says they answered to him, nope. So he says to them, hey, let's try something here. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and and you don't find some. And so they do it, of course. They cast it on the other side, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. So one of the things that I want to help us understand here is every time Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. And you all, like, looked at your kids, and, like, one of them did something, like, ate a bunch of cookies, and they got chocolate all over their mouth, and you look at them, and you're like, hey, did you eat those cookies? And they're like, "Mm mm-mm. You didn't ask them the question because you didn't know if they knew the answer. You asked them the question because you wanted to see if they'd be honest. So watch this. So what does that, what does that have to do with anything? Because I think G, what Jesus is doing is Jesus is trying to see, would these guys be honest? And I think that relates a lot to us more than we even realize. Because like on an Easter Sunday, we can come. I mean, like I'm sporting a suit some of y'all are like, yeah, I didn't even know you had a suit. I didn't either. It was like in the back back. <laughs> and we can look all dressed up on the outside and be so hurting on the inside. And Jesus could look at us and listen, I, I, I know we can do this really well because we're, we're really good at faking. That's why social media is so powerful. Because you can present whatever you want to present. Show whatever you want to show. Do your best and hide the rest. 
And I know, listen, with the amount of people that we have that are in this room, if Jesus was to ask you, hey, how's it going? That's what he's really asking. Hey, children, how you doing out there? And it's his moment to go, oh, we're good. That's, that's, that's most of the Christian responses, right? You come to church and ask people how they're doing. Oh, we're good. All good. All good. Blessed and highly favored from the Lord. We're well. <laughs> and then you look at his wife and he's like, Mm-mm, no. He's lying. See, because what God is asking, God's not looking for perfection, y'all. He's looking for honesty. And we can come to church and look perfect on the outside, but be broken and hurting and with, full of so much turmoil on the inside. And the beauty of the resurrection is that Jesus steps into our dysfunction. He steps into our life and he says, hey, how you doing? And Peter was honest. We ain't caught nothing. And in the moment of honesty, God gets to meet him right there, and then God gets to exceed his expectations. But how many know God couldn't do that until he was honest? If he'd have been asking, if he'd be faking like most people are, oh, we're all good, he would have missed out on the catch. But he never missed out on the catch because he was honest. So I want to ask that of us today. How are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? How's your marriage? How's your kids? Let me ask you the biggest question. How's your soul? Would, would we, would, and, and, and by the way, when Jesus asks us these questions, yet again, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He knows the answer. He just wants to know if you know the answer. And the moment of humility, because think about this, we're talking to the most proud dude you can imagine. Peter, I'll deny, I'll never deny them like all these guys. I love you more than anything. I'm this, this is that. And here we are in this moment. And he's got to be humble again. And Jesus meets him in this moment. And I think if you want to really get anywhere in your relationship with Jesus, the first person you have to quit lying to is you. Because no one has lied to you more than you. And so Jesus meets us in that and he says, listen, we're going to have to be honest. And so they are. They bring in the catch. One of the disciples says, that's got to be Jesus. Duh. I mean, he's the only one who's ever done this before. The Bible says that Peter throws off his cloak, jumps into the water, and swims to Jesus. And as he's swimming to Jesus and he gets to the shore, all these guys get up to the shore with hundreds of fish. The Bible says they meet Jesus here yet again on the beach. Same spot three years as they did prior. And look what Jesus is doing. <clears throat> it says, when they got out on the land, they saw... We saw this word somewhere. They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish that had laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, come, how dare you? No, come and let's eat. Let's have some breakfast. I want you to think about the power of this moment here. I, any of y'all um, remember 
Um, maybe like if you had a grandmother who cooked or a grandfather who cooked or um, maybe just the way, like if you would ever go over to your grandmother's house, like there was a certain smell. Or like she cooked like an apple pie or she cooked gumbo or she cooked something. And every time you smell that smell, it reminds you of her or him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like just these scents that bring up memories. Let's just enter into this moment. What do you think the smell of a charcoal fire brings up to Peter? Swimming, gets to the beach. Uh, smells like shame. Smells like disappointment. Smells like it reminds me of the, the moment that I broke God's heart. That's what it smells like. And you know what I love about Jesus? And this is why I think he, John chapter 21 is in the Bible. It's because Jesus wanted to remind you and I, along with Peter, that I can take the most shameful most painful, most discouraging moments of our life, and I can redeem them. And the next time you smell smoke, it's not shame and regret, it's grace and mercy and love. And the next time you go sit around a charcoal fire, you're not thinking about the time that you denied Jesus, you're thinking about the time you had breakfast with Jesus. How many you grateful for a God who will redeem your broken past? So next time you smell that marijuana, it's not guilt and shame, it's what God has saved you from. The next time you, are y'all with me? The next time you, you got that smell of something that's like, mm, I got a lot of memories attached to that smell. Some of them are painful and some of them are shameful. And Jesus goes, no, 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 but here's the beauty, because of the resurrection, I can redeem all these. I can redeem all these. And that's what I think what re- makes this story so powerful is because Jesus doesn't rebuke G- Peter. He doesn't reject Peter. He invites him back into relationship because that's what the gospel is all about. God inviting us back into relationship, which leads to the last thing. And that is number three is that a, a second chance is powerful. A second chance is possible. A second chance is personal, but a second chance is powerful. It says in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he says to him, feed my lambs. Notice Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these? Because at the last supper, he told them, God, I love you more than these. And Jesus' response, or Peter's response to Jesus' question was like, was not, yes, I do love him more than these. No, we get humble, repentant Peter that says, no, I just love you. The Bible goes on and says that Jesus asks him this question three times. One, I believe, for every denial. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you. Go feed my sheep. Go feed my lambs. You know what he's doing? He's reminding him that your your failures don't thwart the purposes of God on your life. God can still use you. God still has a plan for you. God can still shape you. God can still forgive you. God can still redeem you. This is what he does. And in this moment, we are reminded not about how great Peter is. We're reminded about how great Jesus is. 
How I many know this story isn't about how great Peter is? This story is about how amazing Jesus is and how amazing his grace is for us. That in this moment, this Jesus is meeting him. Grace is meeting him. Mercy is meeting him. And this moment changes Peter's life forever because he then goes on and he starts the church and he leads the church and he plants churches and he writes books of the Bible. And God uses them in profound ways, but God had to meet him in this moment. Because of the resurrection, you and I can have a second chance. And today, God is sending a text message from heaven to you. And here's the text message, you ready? You wanna have lunch? Wanna have breakfast? Wanna have dinner? Revelations puts it this way, that, the, that, that Jesus is standing at the door of our hearts knocking, seeing if anyone will open the door so that I can come in and dine with him. You know what that is? That is a picture of relationship. You don't dine with people that you don't want to be in relationship with. God wants to be in relationship with you and I, and he sent us the text message, hey, let me be in relationship with you. And watch this. I don't know, for any of those that, that have an iPhone, you probably know this. If you have a demonic Android, you might not know this, but um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Y'all are like, I'm out of here. Okay, so bear with me. If you have an iPhone, you understand this. If you send a text message to someone else who has an iPhone, okay, watch this. You can see that they read it. Okay, I can like, I can look at it and go, they read, they got that, okay? And then if you have it and the person on the other end and they start typing, you see, you see the bubbles. Y'all know what I'm talking about, those three bubbles? Have y'all ever had it where you see the three bubbles and then they go away? And then you're like, they're ghosting me. Are you kidding me? And then they never respond, and you know they read it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then, like, you got to deal with bitterness in your heart, and you got to go through all this stuff because you're like, I know you read it. And they don't reply. Watch this. The cross and the resurrection is the text message to the world. You are loved, you are forgiven, you are welcomed, you are redeemed. Here, ready? But what's your reply? And watch this, God knows you read it. He's just waiting for a reply. And today on Easter Sunday, you have the opportunity, if you have not responded to that, to say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. There is no king that is worthy of your surrender more than Jesus, because no one has given their life more than Jesus. And the Bible says it this way, this is red letters. Jesus says it this way, in Matthew 10, he says, it, watch this, red letters. Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. But every person who doesn't respond, who says, no, 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 I'm good, the Bible says, if you deny me on earth, I'm gonna deny you before my Father in heaven. So you and I today, in this moment, Easter is all about fresh starts, it's all about new beginnings. It's all about us responding to the, to the gospel, saying yes to Jesus, yes to him being Lord, yes to him being our savior, yes to him being everything in our life. Because listen, you can walk out of this place and go back and do your own thing your own way. And God loves you enough to let you do it. But he also loves you enough to say, there's a better way, there is my way, and if you surrender to it, you can have life and life more abundantly. 
So I want us to do this in this place. Would you just bow your heads all across this room? And I wanna pray for all of us that are here. If you're here in this room and you have never said yes to Jesus, maybe, maybe you did when you were young, but you've gone off and you've done your own thing now. Maybe you're living a life really that's been for yourself. You know that. If, if, if you were to die today, you do not have 100% certainty that you would go to heaven. Today, I want you to leave out of here knowing God loves you, God forgives you, God wants what's best for you but we must surrender, we've gotta respond. A heart of repentance, a heart of surrender, say, Jesus, take it all, you can have it all. All we've gotta do is receive. There's nothing we can do, there's no work we can do, there's not enough church services we can go to, there's no pastor, there's no priest, there's no program, there's nothing that makes us right with God other than what Jesus has done on the cross. And if you're here in this room and you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior to be born again, for God to make your soul come alive on the inside of you, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up all across this room. One, two, three. Come on, we're gonna publicly acknowledge. Is that you? Come on, shoot your hand up and keep your hand up all around this place. Come on, hands going up all over the place. That's me, that's me. Pastor Josh, would you just pray for me? Would you pray for me? Today I acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior. I want you to do this. I want you to shoot your other hand up right there where you are. Two hands now, just right there where you are. Come on, this is a moment. Just a moment of, uh, this two hands is a, is a sign of surrender. And so Father, right now in this place, I pray for every person that's here that has their hands raised. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing in this moment as your sons and your daughters are returning back to home. God, Lord, we accept your forgiveness. God, we accept Lord, your, your mercy and grace, we thank you for it. Thank you that you came to this, to this earth. You lived a life we couldn't live. You died a death that we, we deserve to die. Our sins are what put you on that cross. And yet you willingly gave your life because you loved us, because you wanted us to be in relationship with the Father. So today, God, we surrender our lives. Lord, we hand over our shame and our failures and our past and the great exchange happens now, God, that you give us your righteousness. You make us alive. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. And behold, oh, behold, all things are now new. So God, I speak that over every person today. But Lord, that we wouldn't just be here to attend church. We would be here to follow you all the days of our life. You are worthy of following. Thank you for giving us a place in heaven. Thank you for restoring our relationship with God. And God, thank you for your Holy Spirit coming and making us new today. We receive that free gift of salvation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, can we get...